And if you would, please turn to the book of Titus, chapter 2. We will be, it is my intention, anyhow, to be getting back to the book of Acts in a few weeks' time. Um, but we, we stepped away from Acts in order to look at Titus here because we were going through these passages in Colossians, chapter 3, and I thought it would be good and even complimentary as we look at how Paul addressed Titus regarding the roles of men and women, older women, younger women, and younger men in the congregation. Again, if you'll listen to the Lord's word, I'd like to read for us Titus chapter 2, verses 1 uh, through 6. Again, this is the Lord's word. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, Urge the young men to be sensible. This is the Lord's word. Would you bow with me again as we pray? We again thank you, Father, for this evening and for the beautiful hymns and the the scripture that reveals the trials that come into the body of Christ. And we look to your hand for your provision. We look to your hand now for your blessing. As your word is opened, I pray that you would bless this servant and bless these, your people, who sit in this building, and also those, Father, who join from afar. We ask that you would give us ears to hear, and that you would give us hearts that are tender to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here, the apostle uh, writes to Titus and has been addressing the importance of how different groups within the church should be living in light of the gospel. The fact that Jesus Christ has come from heaven to set us free from sin The fact that Jesus Christ has come to deliver us from our guilt, from the power and the consequence of death and the last judgment that is God's wrath should not only mean something to you, friends, but ought to affect how we live in our current station in life. In other words, the gospel has bearing on how we live out our lives. And again, in this mindset, in this this culture in which we live, where I can confess and say, well, I'm a Christian, but it doesn't matter how I live. That is, is no concept found anywhere in the scripture. That if a person is born again and dwelt by the spirit of God, he is a new creature and he is called to new actions, new behaviors, new ethics. And so be on guard against that mindset in our culture where I have um, a Sunday only type of Christian where I go for my hour and a half or whatever it might be. Um, that's a very dangerous, uh, dangerous thing for the church. The Lord calls us to certain behaviors. He calls us to put off and to put on. Here, as he addressed older men, he said that they were to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Again, the older women, he said, likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young, that is, married women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. I want you to remember that, as we've been saying, Crete was a very dark place spiritually. It was a culture of depravity. 
was a place that he would he would uh, summarize or sum up the Cretans as being people who are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And here now we have this church, we have these believers. They are new creatures in Christ, and they have been delivered out from underneath the sin their sin in order to serve the Lord and to be his witnesses. They were to be light in the midst of darkness. They were to overcome evil with good, not to be squeezed into the mold of the world around us, nor to take on its characteristics, its attitudes or behaviors, um, or to embrace the lies of the culture. But as Paul would say in Romans 12, they were to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. How does that happen? It happens by sitting under the word of God by reading it, by listening to it, by examining your life in light of it, and instead of picking up Vogue at the grocery store or National Enquirer, whatever it is, I don't know what rag they might be, um, instead of picking those up and saying, oh, Oprah says I ought to do this, we look at the scriptures and we say, ah, Jesus Christ, the one who saved me, says this is what I ought to be doing. I ought to be thinking and behaving this way. This is what, my friends, we must take to heart and ask ourselves. Am I living in such a manner that my life puts the things of the Lord in a good light, or do they put it in a bad light? Would someone observing my behavior, hearing my speech, seeing how I treat others, be more or less likely to visit a worship service or want to know about the Lord? What we do and how we live affects the reputation of our Savior in this world. Very important. And so this evening, we will move on to the younger men and how they should live their lives in light of the gospel, which I find very interesting. Likewise, I urge the young men to be sensible. One sentence, and it's almost as if he's saying, if we can just keep them from killing themselves, everything's going to be good. (laughs) Of course, that's not what he's saying, but I'm sure that's implied. Before we look at the younger men, though, there was a category of women that I thought should be addressed And it's not addressed specifically here. You notice that he jumps from older men to to older women, and then he talks to married young women, and then he speaks to young men. But there's a category of people that we have in our nation that the apostle here doesn't address. Anyone want to venture a guess on who that might be? Young single women. Young single women. Um, I felt it necessary to address this group uh, that the Lord, or that rather the Apostle, does not mention in this text specifically. What would be a younger single woman? Uh, What would be her role? How does she respond to the gospel? And I'm sure, I know, um, I don't know you, welcome, we're glad you're here tonight. I know Molly, but she's, she's not out on her own. So you are not, this was not planned for you. Um, But we all know single women. We all know single women, and they're wondering, what's my job supposed to be in this life? What am I supposed to do? How do I fit into the church? I know women like this. Um, Notice that, again, Titus has spoken to younger women and their husbands, their children, and their homes. What if, like a number of our young ladies in our culture, what if you're not married? What if you don't have children? What if you don't live with your parents? What if you live on your own? What if you live in another's home and somewhere between being in high school and marriage age? What do you do? What are you supposed to do with your life? How are you supposed to live? Perhaps you want to be married, but Mr. Wright has not introduced himself to you yet. 
Uh, culturally, I would suggest, if you know somebody like this, I would suggest that they not go uh, asking men out. I'm, I'm, I'm old-fashioned this way. This is not the Lord's instruction, but I believe it is implied in the Scripture. My father instructed me when I was in college. He said, Philip, if a girl asks you out, say you're busy. Do not go out with her. And I said, why is that? He goes, because you're a man, and you're supposed to be the one pursuing, not the woman. He goes, if it starts that way, that's the direction it's going to go. He goes, so tell them you're washing your hair. Tell them you've got homework. Do not go out. If you want to go out with a girl, see the girl, find the girl, ask the girl out, period. I think it's sage advice. There is a, there's a role that we are supposed to play. We will get into this more later. Why doesn't the apostle address this group? It very well may be that, uh, according to Livy, the Roman historian, he wrote this. Um, it was the Roman ideal for women to pass from subjection of father to husband. Never while their men survive is feminine subjection shaken off, and they themselves abhor the freedom which the loss of husbands and fathers produces. So in other words, a young lady in that day, a young lady was under her father's headship. He was overseeing her life. He was directing. He was caring for her. And the only time that stopped is when she got married, and now she had a husband who was now giving oversight to her. We don't really know. It is, it is conjecture why Paul didn't address the single young lady, but I think it makes sense uh, if the historian is accurate. It may very well have been uh, simply that women were under the headship either of their fathers and their husbands, and they would not be nearly, if at all, as mobile as today's women are. Today, single women move and establish residence, uh, work, and, and, and determine what they want to do, and they go out and do it. This is, after all, the United States. Clearly, though the text deals with married younger women, there are certain aspects that fit the single women as well. And I want to start by, by pulling from several texts because I think it is something that would be helpful not only for our young women, um, but also for those you may know who are single who are saying, I don't really know what to do with my life. And I believe there is a fair amount of wisdom, of course, from the scriptures to be gleaned. In 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35, we read this. But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. This I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Friends, when you're married, your attention is split uh, between the church, that is the Lord, and your family. And it should be this way. That's the way the Lord instructed it. If you're married, you are uh, to act like a married person. But if you aren't married, you are able to devote your time, and more so, minus regular duties, to the Lord's service. This is a fact. And, um, and here, this fact directs uh, young single ladies what they ought to be thinking. Men and women are all encouraged to be looking out uh, for ourselves in our culture. We're all looking after ourselves. We, we want to be special. And so we have this thing that I've uh, 
termed the Kardashian syndrome. And it's where you take your cell phone and you take pictures of yourself all the time and you're posting them and you're showing everyone what a wonderful life you have and you're busy promoting yourself everywhere. We've seen shows like Bridezilla's. You have heard of Bridezilla's, haven't you? (laughs) Right. You'll see one episode and it'll satisfy you for the rest of your life on what not to watch. Uh, but we see these sorts of things, and we see in our culture that, that young single women uh, oftentimes are acting like divas, that they're so special, they've got money, they've got careers, and no one's holding them back. They get to indulge their flesh, and, and, and they're being destroyed by a worldly system. And parents feed into this very thing because they are not holding back. They to instruct their children, their daughters, go on, go live your life, go live it to the fullest, go do whatever you want. And Godspeed to you. And, and we look back and we see how many young women's lives have been hurt. They've been destroyed because of a licentious, licentiousness, a sensual and self-centered, look-at-me uh, type of behavior and culture. If you're not married, if you have no children uh, to love and to care for, ladies, your focus must be upon the Lord who saved you and on others around you. I would think that the apostle would urge you, too, to be sensible, to be self-controlled and sober-minded, unlike the Hollywood divas of our age and those who want to be like them. As a single person, until the Lord sends a young man into your life, uh, you are to have a focus upon the Lord and what the Lord wants and to be busy serving him. The question is how. Now, again, I'm I'm drawing these principles from Scripture, and, and I'm giving basic Um, very practical information. I'm I'm assuming a young lady comes to me, someone like my daughter, and says, Dad, what am I supposed to be doing? You're my dad. What what should I be doing? No guy has asked me out for a while. No guy wants to marry me yet. What should I be doing with my time? What would I say to her based upon the scriptures? 1 Corinthians 7, I would say, Sweetheart, be holy in body and in spirit. Be sexually pure don't put yourselves in positions where this, uh, where your purity will be compromised. And again, friends, it, we live in such a licentious culture where, where so many people have been injured who have involved themselves sexually with others. Um, if, if you've done that, you repent. You go and, and you confess to the Lord and you're forgiven and you're washed. And, and so you don't need to live with this guilt any longer. But don't go back to your sin. The Lord calls us Ladies, especially young ladies, young men as well, to be holy in body and in spirit. Take care of yourself phys- physically. Um, I'm assuming if you want to get married, if you, if you have the gift of singleness and you have no interest in being married to a man, then by all means, don't get married. Don't get married. There's nothing, no mandate that says you have to get married. But if you want to get married, ladies, while you're waiting for Mr. Wright to knock on your door, fix up. Eat good, exercise, but don't go crazy. Your adornment, we are told by Peter, 1 Peter 3.3, 3, must not be merely external. Take care of yourself. Hope in the Lord. Like the women of old, Mary and Martha, Esther, Sarah, Moses' mother, like the women who supported the Lord out of their private means, take time to walk with the Lord Walk with him in his word, meditating upon his word, going to him in prayer, 
adorn the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which we are told is precious in the sight of the Lord. Strive for contentment and serve the Lord while you can. The women of this world are loudmouths. They are spewing rubbish. Their feet don't stay at home. Um, we are called, never called to imitate what is evil. The idleness, too much time on their hands, gossips and busybodies and talking about things that are not proper, like uh, Paul warns of in 1 Timothy 5. Rather be self-controlled, not under the influence of our age. Carry yourself with reverent behavior. Watch your tongue. Don't be gossips. Don't be enslaved to much wine if you're even old enough to drink. Speak those things which are good and true and edifying to others. Show kindness to others and think about others, not merely yourself. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And do you have grandparents or do you have parents who have need? My sisters, then minister to them. This is what the Lord calls you to do. Minister to them. Learn to practice piety in regard to your own family, says Paul in 1 Timothy 5.4. Be known for good works, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints and assisting those in distress. Be devoted to every good work. Notice, you should be doing what married women are supposed to do, minus attention to husbands and children. Uh, contentedly serve the Lord now and don't wait until a man comes before you start. Rather, live like a daughter of the great king of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul doesn't address this single ladies specifically in this text, and yet from all these different texts of scripture, we look at it and say, you have a wonderful purpose and, and, and po- uh, point for your life and involvement in the church. In our culture is saying, well, just go do what you want. The Lord would never say, just go do what you want. We're never called to be self-centered and self-focused, but rather always other-focused upon the Lord and upon those who the Lord sticks or places around you. Stay the course. If the Lord interrupts your life with a man, at which time you decide you want to be married and follow this man, your attentions will be divided Your energies will be divided between caring for this man and the family that the Lord blesses you with and ministering to those in the church. You see how this goes, friends. When you are the Lord, you live for the Lord. And we are no longer to focus ourselves, uh, focus our attentions rather on ourselves. We die to self. We follow Christ. We love him because he first loved us and we love others. The consumer mindset of our age is the polar opposite of what we are to be about in the Lord's church. So to the younger women, we focus on serving the Lord because you get to. You be in subjection to your father. And if you don't have a father to live in subjection to, then you submit yourself to the Lord and listen to the encouragement of those uh, who are the leaders in your church who are there to care for you, to demonstrate kindness, protection with all purity. Now that's all an aside. I thought that we should address the younger women. And we come here to younger men as well. The gospel has import for single men, for younger men, married and single. He says, likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. The instruction that Titus is to give to the younger men is brief, but it is all-inclusive. 
This too is urged of the overseer. We saw this in chapter 1, verse 8, of the older men in chapter 2, verse 2, and of the younger women in verse 4, and implied for the older women in verse 3. Again, this word sensible means to be self-controlled, to be sane, to use common sense or good judgment. It is to curb one's passions. He says again, likewise, urge the young men to be sensible and urge the young men to curb their passions. There is some debate over whether in all things belongs with verse 6 towards the young men or with verse 7 towards Titus. However, I don't think it makes much difference if one remembers that being sensible is not something we are to have in one area and not another. The implication is that if a man is to be self-controlled, he should be in all things, in all areas of his life. As Titus, uh, he is here to urge then the young men to earnestly, that is to earnestly entreat them to be self-controlled in their lives, to live their lives in every facet as those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Listen to 1 Peter 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking, and abominable idolatries. And again, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, we read this. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which, is, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. My brothers, as, as the Lord is instructed here, likewise urge the young men to be sensible, urge the young men and treat them to curb their passions. It is easy um, to be easy on ourselves. The expectation in our culture on men is now so low that it is a mark we can easily hit every single time. And, and we see this. Um, culturally speaking, we see that men are the bottom of the totem pole. Uh, we see that men are considered to be oafs, that they are not to be taken seriously, that they don't know what they're doing. And so they, they expect us to be nothing more than stray casts, having loose morals, uh, guzzling beer and crunching them, uh, the cans on our heads who only get married because they still need mommies. And, and, and if you can watch any television show, you can watch any commercial, and just watch, just watch how men are portrayed. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. There is a concerted effort to undermine men and to make women dissatisfied with the home and with the role that God has created. 
And I just throw this out there to you. How's it working for us in our culture? You know I'm telling the truth. This is what's going on. And this is why the word of God is so important and so important for the health and and the vitality of the church. In brief, men are portrayed as being, and it is a reputation, not without some justification, they are really portrayed as being swine. They are portrayed as being worthless fellows. They use their position as men to take advantage of others in their weaknesses, to use their authority to control, to manipulate, uh, to advantage themselves, regardless of what happens or what it does to others, whereas they ought to be using their position as men to be protecting, providing, uh, and caring for those who are weaker. When Paul says to Titus, likewise urge the young men to be sensible, that is to curb their passions, he is saying instruct the young men not to be controlled by their lusts. Stop letting men do just what they feel like they want to do and start acting principled. Start acting in a principled manner. Be men that we can trust. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the end of the chapter, he says, um, be strong, act like men. Do what you do in love. The idea of men being strong is a biblical concept. And that strength that the Lord gives us is not for bullying and acting like a 250-pound toddler. It is for acting like a 250-pound man who's got muscles and he uses his muscles to promote what is good and right and godly because he is constrained by the love of Christ for him to do that. And that's what we must do. And you men, my brothers, you are fighting and swimming against the stream of the culture. No doubt, if you do that, you will be called a toxic male. May we all be toxic. I want you to consider, I want you to consider um, Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 4, but you did not, my brothers, learn Christ in this way. If there was ever a toxic male, right? it was Jesus Christ. Who left his father's throne, who came to earth, who was greeted by shepherds and animals and placed in a trough. Who grew up obeying the Lord, doing what the Lord had instructed. Who had no place to lay his head. Who was falsely accused. Who was hunted down by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. who was unjustly accused and who was arrested. And he had all the ability to call upon 12 legions of angels. And he didn't. But like a lamb that went as led to the slaughter, he played the role of the man and he laid his life down and he washed the feet of his people. And by his strong arms, he conquered death. That's a man. That's the example given to men. That's how we are supposed to live. You are to be sensible. You are to be self-controlled. You are to be sane. You are to curb your passions for stuff. 
curb your passions for sex, for entertainment, and for sports. For crying out loud, please quit idolizing sports. What are the stupidest things? I'm going to get in trouble for that. I'm telling you, it's one of the stupidest things I have ever seen in my life. A bunch of overpaid men playing games. And the worst, worse is we go off and we pay boodles of money to watch them play games. Now, I don't care if a man can turn a career to play football and make money, but you know what gets me is when the body of Christ decides that it's more important to go watch someone throw a pigskin than to sit in a pew under the word of the Lord and listen and sing his praises. There's a problem there. And the church needs to repent of that sin. They genuinely, dearly need to repent of this sin. Because we are teaching our children that there are things more important than the Lord. And that's just not true. And we talk about this just coming in tonight, didn't we? How the people train their children this way, that there are some things more important than the Lord. We got to shop. Got to go to the mall. Got to go golf. Got to go fish. Got to go hunt. Got to go soccer. Got to go wrestle. Got to go do all these things. I'm telling you, it never goes well for these people because their children grow up and say, well, you didn't think it was all that important when I was younger. You are to be sensible. You are to curb your passions for all of these things and you are to act in principle upon the word of the Lord and not be controlled by your lust like some sort of Samson who just had to have that girl Dad, I want her, get her for me. Or like some Ahab who just had to have that vineyard, and if he didn't, and when he didn't, he went to his bed and he pouted until his wife, Jezebel, paid a couple of thugs to lie. Don't be like them. Or like an Isaiah who was told no, that he shouldn't offer sacrifices on the altar, but because of his pride, and his pride having control of him, he did what he wanted. And the priests had to pull him away and he was struck with leprosy. Much of what was said earlier uh, in the sermon uh, to women, this applies to us as well. My friends, don't imitate the man in the movies. Don't imitate the sports figure who does not love the Lord Jesus. Do not imitate the musician but imitate the noble men of scripture. These are our models. Imitate Jesus Christ, first of all, who gave his life for his bride, the church. What love, what kindness, what manliness. That's what you're called to be. Imitate men like Paul, who didn't consider his life precious to himself and gave up everything, even as we saw this morning. He's in jail. And he's not saying, hey, pray that I get out of jail. I, I hear there's some really good gyro sandwiches down the road. I'm really missing them. He says, pray for an open door for the gospel to go forward. His concern wasn't his personal comfort. His concern was the lost. Imitate men like Timothy or like a Titus or like Luke or Epaphras or Tychicus or Moses or Barnabas. Men of whom the world is not worthy. That's what the Lord calls you to, my brothers. 
Do not be controlled by your lusts. Don't be controlled by the world and don't be conformed to the world's image. I want to give some brief application here. Are you a married man? Then brothers, act like married men should act. Again, use your authority to bless your wife and your children. You are the head of your home. Leave your mother and father and cleave to your wife and make a great home. That's your job. Cherish your wife. Date her. Help her. Work hard to provide for her. You will do the most for your children by loving their mother. You know, a lot of things my father, I wish he had done. Would have been great, Dad, if we'd gotten a camper and you'd driven us around to see the Grand Canyon. Dad, it would have been great if we had gotten a built-in swimming pool and you made life really sweet for us. Or if you bought me my first car. Actually, he did buy me my first car. He might have bought me my second, too. I don't recall. Um, You know what my father did? He came home every night. And I remember the times he would hug my mother in the kitchen and he'd put a big wet kiss on her face. And she would act like, oh, David. But she loved it at the same time. And I loved seeing my dad love my mom. I loved it. Best thing he did. He stayed married to my mom and he loved her. I go to bed every night happy. Just because mom and dad were asleep in their bedroom together. And I had a peaceful home. Brothers, love your wives. Your children will thank you for it. Go to work. Work hard. Work with integrity. Work six days and rest for one. Your work is not merely that nine-to-five job. Your work is also maintaining oversight in your home. Some men like to come home and just vegetate. You can't always do that, can you? You come home and you get to serve some more. You pick up where your wife is starting to wear thin. You help with the children. You play with them. You lead them to church. You must take the, th- the lead in the things of the Lord. Do not be an abdicator. I know sometimes men feel like, I, I, I just feel like it feels unnatural for me to stand up and, and say, sweetheart, we need to turn this off. I remember we were learning the Ten Commandments. We had been married three years or something like this. And this movie, City Slickers, came on. And it was like every other word was the Lord's name. And I remember going, uh, 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 wincing. And I thought, you doofus. Why don't you just say, hey, let's turn this off. And I felt so awkward saying to my wife, who didn't fight me on this stuff? I felt so awkward, and I just said, hey, I think we need to turn this off. Listen, listen to how they use the Lord's name. And she said, okay, let's do it. And I felt like I was overstepping my bounds, and yet that's exactly what I should have done. I know it's uncomfortable sometimes to, to pretend or to feel like you're the big spiritual man on campus. You are. Act like it. Take the lead. Say, no, we're not doing this. I don't think we ought to do this. Here's what the Lord says. This is how we ought to live. My friends, my brothers, don't be abdicators. Um, 
The guy who lets the church be the woman's thing is a guy who is abdicating. It is to be your thing. It is to be your thing. So what I want you to do is I want you to go home. I want you to grab your wife's hands. I want you to grab your children in your arms, and I want you to pray with them. You look them in the eyes and you tell them the great things the Lord has done and remind them of his precious promises. Do not forsake the worship of the Lord, not for any of these other things like hunting or sports or vacation. Hold the things of the Lord in top priority. Your calling is no mere paycheck. You are called to die for your wife and your children. Step up to the plate and swing away. You know the only way you're going to fail is if you do nothing. Step up and act like men. Be sensible. Curb your passions. And we are almost done here. I want to address the single men as well. If you have not been blessed to find Mrs. Wright yet, I would encourage you, don't give up. There are lots of godly... I said that right, didn't I? Mrs. Wright? (laughs) You're not Mrs. Wright, are you? Oh, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> I thought, oh no, Mrs. Wright is sitting here. Um, brothers, if you haven't found a godly woman yet, don't give up. She's waiting for you. Make use of, of the means that the Lord has provided. Don't give up. Don't think you can indulge your flesh. You too are to be self-controlled and sensible. You too are to value the things of the Lord, to know him, and to pray to him. You too are to work hard. Budget your money. Don't spend it all all on yourself, but look after others. Share with those who have need. Don't squander your time gaming, uh, viewing TV and movies. Demonstrate self-control. You too should be taking advantage of the time you have to minister to others in the church, to be engaged in good works, helping others who need your your brawn, and your brains. Um, Minister to the older people in the congregation. Minister to the younger people in the congregation. Set a godly example to the children in the church. My friends, none are allowed, having tasted of the things of Christ, uh, none are allowed to now be self-serving and indulging in their lusts. Galatians 5.13, Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is how we adorn the gospel. This is how we adorn the gospel as older men and older women and younger women and single women and, 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 and young men. This is how we adorn it by not living according to our flesh and not walking in the way that the Lord delivered us from, but walking in the way that he's called us to. Do not grow weary in these things. Do not grow weary in them. Let's pray. We thank you again, Father, for this evening, and we thank you for your word and pray that you would help us, Father, first by giving us hearts that are content with the lot you have placed us in, and that we would serve you, we ask, serve you well with our hearts, uh, serve you in gratitude for the grace we have received in Jesus Christ. We ask, Father, that you would send us with your blessing tonight and that you will help us to remember these words as we enter into this new week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.